Your past does not define who you are or what you're worth. Just think about that statement for again, for a moment. Your past does not define who you are or what you're worth. Only God can do that. You know, this week I was reading an article about a guy named Daryl Henley. In 1995, Daryl was on top of the world. He was a cornerback for the LA Rams, making a lot of money, had all the prosperity and, and really the top of his game and career. That same year, he was also put in prison for, with a sentence of over 20 years for trafficking, drug trafficking, and a solicitation of murder. So he went from the very top to the very bottom. And Daryl Henley became a voice for people on the inside who struggle with uh, imprisonment, incarceration. And he said there are a lot of challenges that people face in that circumstance. But he said what's really difficult is what he called the epidemic of identity. He said so few people get a visit from uh, a family member, so few people get a visit from a friend that uh, you begin to believe the lie that you're worthless, that you don't matter, that nobody cares about you anymore. In fact, it was, uh, it was later in his time in prison that a man named Daryl Green reached out to him. Daryl Green is a cornerback for the Washington Redskins uh, that loves to preach the gospel, goes into prisons and tells people about Jesus. And, and Daryl Green met with Henley, and Henley describes their encounter this way. He said, Daryl Green spent time with me on the phone, offering me hope through the word of God and reminding me that I am a man of great value whose past does not define me and whose future is in the powerful hand of God. You see, the turning point for him was that his past did not define him. Listen, you don't have to be in prison to feel worthless. Uh, you, You can be in the prison of your own mind, of your own past, of your own failures. You can be in the prison of what people said about you or did to you, like Trinity just talked about. And all those things can hold you in and make you feel like and, and think that you're worthless and you don't matter anymore. But let me, let me say one more time, your past does not define who you are or what you're worth. Only God can do that. Only God can define that for you. And God does define it for you in his word. So that's why we are here studying God's Word together. That's why we're in this series called Identity Defined. We're looking into God's Word. What does God say about you and who you are and what you're worth? And so I want you to open up your Bible. You got one, open it up. If you don't have one, there's one provided for you. Everybody get your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 1. We're looking at one of the, the longest one sentences, one sentence in the Bible. It actually runs from verse 3 all the way to verse 14. But it is dense and full and weighty and heavy with theological truth about who we are in Christ. And uh, so last week we kind of got started. We looked at verses 1, 2, and 3. I want to pick up at verse 3 and just read verses 3 and 4. That's all we're going to have time for today, verses 3 and 4. So uh, get your Bible open, open heart, open mind, ready to hear from the Lord. This is the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now stop right there. Uh, What this verse says is that you are holy and blameless in God's eyes. I want you to circle the words holy and blameless. Underline them. Put a star by them. That's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. You are holy and blameless. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be holy? You know, not, not a lot of people talk about holiness at the office, right? Nobody's at the water cooler going, yeah, I was just thinking about holiness this week. All right, nobody's on the ball field saying, you know, I was just reading about holiness, you know? Nobody talks about that. In fact, holiness, the term has kind of fallen on hard times. When you think of holiness, you think of holier-than-thou people, judgmental people, or maybe you think of holy rollers, right? Or maybe you, you think about a holiness movement that was very much entrenched in legalism and what you wear and what you do. And, and so holiness is kind of something we don't talk a lot about. However, the Bible talks a lot about it. Over 600 times the word holiness or holy appears in the Bible. So from cover to cover, front to back, holiness is an important theme in the Bible. So what does it mean to be holy? What does that mean? All right, now most people, if I just ask you, if I just got on the mic and just kind of walked around and started asking you, what does it mean to be holy? Most people would equate holiness with morality. You'd say, well, if you're a holy person, person or you live in holiness, that means you're a moral person. You're a good person. Holiness and morality kind of go hand in hand together. But I want to just kind of uh, unpack that a little bit more and let you know that there's a deeper, more substantial meaning behind the definition of holiness. Holiness is bigger than that. So what do you mean? Well, in the, in the Old Testament, uh, there's a book called the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus, the whole thing is about worship and sacrifices and and about the holiness of God. And it describes the temple and it describes instruments and things that were used in the temple in an act of worship. It talks about bowls and tables and furniture and utensils and all this kind of stuff, kind of mundane stuff. But it says about all those things that they are holy to the Lord. Now, obviously right there, you could know that, that holiness isn't about morality because a table can't be moral or immoral, right? You're not saying bad table, all right? You need to stand up straighter, right? And nobody does that, right? Because a table is amoral. It's kind of, so, so holiness is more than morality. It's something deeper than that. In fact, the word holy in the Old Testament, kadash is the word. The word holy in the Old Testament means to be set apart, to be set apart for a special use. These instruments, these things, this furniture in the temple were set apart to be used by God. Literally, these things belonged to God. And that's where you find your definition of holiness. Holiness simply means that you belong to God. That you belong to God. That you've been bought with a price. That you, you love him and you're devoted to him and you, you care for him and you want to please him. And, and so you live a life that's different because you belong to God. You live differently than the world because you belong to God. That your heart is for him and not for these other things that they used to be for. For example, we see this all the time in, uh, in, in our culture. This, this thing on my finger is called a wedding ring. And what this thing means is that at one point in my life, I stood before a pastor with people in the room and I made some commitments and vows to my wife. 
And in that vow, I chose out of all the couple of billion people or four, is it four, seven, eight billion people, whatever the number is now, you know, on the planet, I have chosen this one woman and she has chosen me. Bless her heart. She has chosen me. And, and here we are together. And we're making this vow that we belong to each other. And we put a ring on our finger. And that ring says that I am set apart for only her. That I let everybody know. I am set apart. I belong to her. And she belongs to me. And therefore, I don't act like a single dude. All right? I don't go do the things I used to do. I don't go hang out with people I used to hang out. I certainly don't date like I used to date. Why? Because I'm set apart only for her. I belong to her. I am holy in that relationship. I am set apart, belong only to her. Now, that's what it means to be holy. That means that you have been set apart by God, that you belong to him, that your heart has shifted from the things of this world and shifted to him and you love him and you're devoted to him and you care for him. And, 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 and by the way, you only want to please him and therefore you don't do the things that you used to do. You don't go to the place you used to go. You don't love the stuff that you used to love. I mean, that stuff used to rock. You used to love that. And now so you don't have any appetite for it anymore. Why? Because your heart has shifted. You belong to the Lord. You're holy. So what the Bible says about you, if you're in Christ, you're holy. You're blameless. You're set apart only for him. I love what Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. See that? See the equate, equating of those two? You're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. I love that. Now that you belong to him, man, you mean so much to him. You're his special treasure. The New Testament equivalent of Deuteronomy 7 is 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into light. That's why God called you to be holy. That's why he set you apart. That's why you belong to him. So that you can let everybody know how far you've come and what you've come through and how Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life. That's what that whole video was about. It was bragging on Jesus and the difference that he makes. Listen, so you are, if you're in Christ, you are holy. You are blameless. That's who you are. Are. Now, now you may be saying, all right, Craig, that's, that's great. I appreciate all that. But, but what does that really mean for me? What does that mean? In my, how do I walk that out in my life? So I'm going to give you uh, three things. Basically, I'm going to talk to you about your holiness has both a past, a present, and a future aspect to it. So I'm going to unpack that for you. And then at the end of that, I'm going to help you experience it. I'm going to move it from your head to your heart. So you not only know it, but you feel it. All right, are you ready? All right, so I need you to do some things for me. I need you to write some things down. So everybody get a piece of paper out and get a pen out. I want you to write this first thing down. First thing I want you to write down is your holiness starts at the cross. Your, whole, the whole, your holiness starts at the cross. Look at verse four. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? What does it mean that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world? What that means is that before God created mankind, before he created the world, before he created anything, God knew that we would drift from him. God knew that we would fall into sin. And God chose a way for us to be reconciled to him. Even before he did anything, that God set in motion, God purposed in his heart, a way for us to come back to him. And, and what is that way? 
Well, it's in the words, in him. God chose us in him. Circle that word. Uh, In him, this phrase, in him, in Christ, in the beloved, is mentioned 11 times in this passage. It is the central theme that if you are in Christ, that you're forgiven. In Christ, you're blessed. In Christ, you're holy. In Christ, you're blameless. And so what God did was before he created anything, he knew of our waywardness. He knew where we would choose. He knew what we would do. And so he determined that all those who are in Christ would be saved. All those that are in Christ would be blessed. All those that are in Christ would be holy and blameless. What that means is that the cross was not a parenthesis in God's plan. The cross wasn't plan B. The cross wasn't uh, an afterthought. The cross wasn't something that God came up with. Oh, they said, wow, I'm going to have to figure out something here. No, no, God, the cross was determined before anything was created. He determined before the foundation of the world that in Christ, you would be holy and blessed. Now that just blows my mind when I just stop and think about that, that God knew and he created us anyway. I mean, let me just say, what, what if I came to you and I said, listen, now I know you don't have any kids but, and, and you want to have kids. So here's the deal. I'm going to reveal to you every way your child's going to break your heart. All right. I'm going to go look in the future. We're going to see what they did in junior high. We're going to see what they did in college. We're going to see what they're going to do. I'm going to show you all, and show all the sacrifices you're going to make. I'm going to show you all the stuff it's going to cost. It's going to cost you just about everything. I'm going to show you all that. If I did that for you, none of us would have children, right? We wouldn't would do it. We would go, you know what? I think I'll just keep my dog. I'm, I'm good with my dog, all right? We wouldn't do that. Well, we would look at that and we'd go, man, I mean, it's, they're great, but they're not that great. And uh, it, it's not worth it, is what we'd say. But think about it. God looked throughout history and he knew what it would take. And he determined that the cross would happen before creation took place. And when he looked at you, He said, it's worth it. They're worth it. You're worth it. And so he set a way for you to be right with him, and that is in Christ. You say, well, how do I get into Christ? Very simple. Verse 13 tells us. Listen, look at what verse 13 says. It says, you were included in Christ when? Okay, well, when was I included in Christ? You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Do you get what that means? That means that that God purposed that those in Christ would be saved. But now he's saying, listen, you were included in Christ at the moment you heard the gospel. You were included in Christ in the minute you heard the message and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, you were saved. You went from darkness to light. You went from an enemy of God to a friend of God. You went from alienated to, uh, to him being your Abba Father. All that changed the moment you stepped into Christ, the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and were saved. Listen, let me tell you, when that happened, you ought to, there was this transition. All of a sudden, all your sin, all your waywardness, all your fallenness was placed onto the back of innocent Jesus. And all the righteousness of Christ was applied to your account in that moment. And so God sees you now, after you've given your life to Christ, God sees you now as through the lens of the sacrifice of his son, he sees you as holy and blameless and clean and pure, just as if you had never sinned. This is the gospel, folks. This is the gospel. That God sees you through the sacrifice of his son, and he sees you holy and pure and right with him. That is your position in Christ. 
In that moment, it says, let me just read some of this to you. In that moment, he says, he covered you with the righteousness of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. That he removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103, verse 12. That he washed you clean, Isaiah 1, 18. That he remembers your sin no more, Isaiah 43, 25. Micah 7, 19 says that he took your sin and threw it into the deepest parts of the ocean. Is that good news for anybody in the house today? All right. I mean, is anybody hearing me? All right. That, this is really good for those of us that are messed up, screw ups, and never think we could ever measure up. That God has thrown it in the trash can. And he said, you are holy. You are clean. You are right. You are established. You are mine. You belong to me and I belong to you. You see, your holiness starts at the cross. But let me tell you what else it does. Your holiness also, uh, get this, is lived out every day. Look at, write that down. Your holiness is lived out every day. That's the second thing I want you to write down. Your holiness is lived out every day. Look at what it says that we should be holy and blameless. He said he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Now the four words that we should be is really four English words to give you one idea of the one Greek word, which is a word of being. It basically is in the present tense. It says that all this has happened, all that Jesus did was so you could now presently be holy before God. In eternity past, he set this in motion. But now that you are in Christ, you are presently holy and blameless. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's not, uh, that, that's not hopeful thinking. That is present reality. Well, I don't really feel that way right now. I understand you don't feel that. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. Now, if that's who you are, then God wants us to live like it. If you're holy and blameless, then God wants us to live like it. You see, there are a lot of Christians there are a lot of Christians who are uh, holy in position, but not holy in practice, right? Holy maybe in Christ, but not holy in our daily life. Holy before God, but maybe not holy before other people. By the way, that's pretty much all of us. Pretty much, you know, pretty much everybody in the room right here fits into that category. We are, we're screw-ups, right? I mean, we, 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 we aren't perfect. We, even though we're in Christ, we still make mistakes. We're still selfish. No elbows, please. Just, let, just receive it from God. You know? We're selfish. We mess up. We're, we're, uh, we're hot-headed. We're greedy and lustful at times. We, we, we are all that. We're a hot mess is basically what we are. We're a hot mess. Welcome to First Colleyville. We're a hot mess. But if we are in Christ, then, and if we belong to him, that there's, then God gives us his spirit to prompt us toward living like who we are, right? We're on a course to start living more and more like who we are, start acting more and more like who we are. Not because we have to, but because we want to. This really, this really came clear to me when I was in college. I went, uh, went off to college. I grew up in a little town probably about 20,000 people or so when I was in my little town. I went off to a college where there was like 30,000 people and none of them knew my mama, all right? And I was like, woo-hoo! You know, and I'm like, I'm just like doing all the stuff that, you know, I, I wasn't supposed to be doing. 
But all the way through, man, God was just convicting me and convicting me and convicting me. I mean, I'd be in a place I'm not supposed to be, and I'm Craig, why are you here? I mean, like, you know, I was just convicted by the Spirit of God. Finally, God orchestrated these circumstances to this one point. Well, I'll never forget where I was sitting. I'll never forget what was being said. But I remember he, God spoke to me as clearly as I'm talking to you right now. And he said, Craig, you can do all this crazy stuff. But he said, I want to remind you, you have been bought with a price and you belong to me. You belong to me. And I tell you what, it was like a gut punch. For maybe the first time in my life, I realized what Jesus had done for me. That I was, because of Christ's sacrifice, I was holy and blameless, but I wasn't living like it. And he said, Craig, I want you to start acting like who you are. It's time. It's time. You start acting like who you are. It was a game changer for me. Listen, when you begin to realize who you are in Christ and what happened at the cross, it's going to become, uh, it's going to be evident in your life. Listen, this is a daily choice. You have to start off the day and say, Lord, because I am holy and blameless in you, God, then help me today to live that out and act like a son and act like a daughter in you. Help me when that person says that. I know they're going to say that on Monday, and I know I'm going to get torqued on that deal. Help me not to react to that. I know when that temptation comes, help me not to lean in on that. When, when this situation happens, God, help me, to, help me to know who you made me. I'm holy and blameless and to act different than this world. See, it's a daily decision. But let me tell you something. When you know who you are in Christ, people will notice. People will see a difference. I read a, uh, an article this week about a man uh, named Ken Parker. Ken Parker, a year ago, was high up in the neo-Nazi movement of the United States. He was in the Ku Klux Klan and had risen all the way to the point of being a, a, a grand dragon, a leader in that movement, uh, filled with hate and anger and resentment. But a pastor, an African-American pastor named William Kennan reached out to him. And William began to talk with him and show love and forgiveness, Christ's likeness to him. And Ken was taken back by it. William invited him to his church this last Easter Sunday. He said, I want you to come worship with us. And he stepped in, Ken stepped into a church filled with people that he had vowed to hate. And he saw them worship Jesus. And then he heard the gospel message about how Jesus Christ could change your life. And on Easter Sunday, that Ku Klux Klan member got on his knees and asked Jesus Christ to forgive him and to change him and make him a new person. In fact, one of the compelling pictures is Pastor uh, McKinnon with, with Ken, and they are being, he's being baptized in the Atlantic Ocean. Here he is with his brothers in Christ now, and he's a new person. I mean, he said, I can't believe I was that person filled with hate and I hurt so many people. And he said, I'm a new person in Christ, like the scales have fallen off my eyes. Listen, folks, that's what happens when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. People begin to see a difference in your life. They begin to see you react differently and, and pursue things differently and respond differently because you're new on the inside. 
That's why Romans 13, 12 says, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. I love that. He's like, man, when you, when you realize who you are in Christ, then you start to live that out every day. It's like taking off old clothes, old dirty clothes and peeling them off of you so that you can start to put on right living that reflects a son and reflects a daughter. You know who you are? If you're in Christ, you're holy, you're blameless. Your past does not define who you are. God defines who you are. There's a past element to that. There's a present, you are holy element. But there's also a future element. Look at, look at the verse one more time. You may have looked right past this part. He says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before him. So what, what does that before him mean? He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy before him. He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy before him. What, what is that before him? Hold on a minute. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people say, well, Craig, what that means is we're always before God, right? God knows everything that I do. God knows where I sit down when I stand up. We're always living our life before him. That's what that means. Yeah, that probably is part of it, but there's something else to it. There's something else. We are whole, one day, we're going to be holy and blameless, ultimately, perfectly before him. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 27 says, God's plan is, quote, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, those are our key words there. And he said, God's plan is that one day he's going to present us to Christ as perfectly holy and blameless. Like a, like a father presents a bride to the, uh, to the groom, right? There's going to be a presentation of us to our Savior, and we're going to be perfectly holy and blameless. Same thing is said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has now, uh, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In other words, you know, yeah, your life was messed up, but you've given your life to Christ. And one day the father is going to present you to Jesus perfectly holy and blameless. You're like, well, Craig, when is this going to happen? When am I going to be finally free from my sinfulness, my sinful bent? When am I going to be perfectly presented before God, holy and blameless? Well, that's 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. Let me read it to you. By he, by, uh, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. There it is. When is that going to happen? When Christ comes. When Christ comes. Let, let me tell you what's going to happen when Christ comes, just in case you want to know how it all ends. All right? Let me tell you what's going to happen. When Christ comes, the Bible says that he's going to split the, the sky open and Christ is going to descend. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. I don't understand. It's a big mystery. But the dead in Christ will rise first, be caught up in the air. And he said, we who are still alive will be caught up together in the air. We will shed the skin of this old sinfulness and we'll put on our new bodies to be like Christ. And in that moment, we will be ultimately perfectly 
holy and blameless before him. He will be our God and we will be him. We will be as we were created to be. Ultimately with him forever. My friends, that's what's going to happen. You see, you, God determined this way before the world began. You are now presently holy if you are in Christ. And one day he is going to perfect that ultimately in heaven with you. What does this mean? That means that you are not who you used to be. Amen. You're not who you used to be. You've been forgiven. You're not all that you can be, right? Uh, God's still working on you. Yeah, you're holy and blameless, but God's constantly working on you by his spirit to, to, so that you shine his holiness and his presence more and more every day. And you are not all that you will be. One day you're going to be perfectly holy, perfectly blameless in the sight of God. And it's all because of Christ. So I told you that holiness means you belong to him. And I said there's this past, this present, this future element to it. But now what I want to do is I want to move, now that I've planted that in your brain, I want to move that from your head to your heart, right? Because it's great to know it, but we got we to embrace it. We've got to experience it. So I want you to do something we don't do very often around here, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to stand up right where you are, all right? Put your Bible down, hands free. And I want you to, uh, as you stand, maybe uh, to put your hands out like this, like I was going to give you a gift, all right? You can close your eyes if you want to. You don't have to if you don't. But what I want to do is I want to read over you the words of your heavenly father. And I want you to receive it as a father's blessing. Just like a, an earthly dad would put his hand on his son or his daughter and remind them who they are. I want you to receive this as your father's blessing, reminding me, reminding you who you are in Jesus. All right. You are holy and blameless. You have been set apart. You are a new person. The cross of Jesus has made you clean. His sacrifice has made you new. I have removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. I have cast them into the deepest sea. I see you through the perfect righteousness of my son Jesus. You are pure, clean, and forgiven. You are precious, you are my precious treasure, the apple of my eye and my beloved. You are holy and blameless. You must no longer carry guilt and shame like you used to anymore. You must not, no longer wallow in, in self-hatred or condemnation because you see there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer defined by your mistakes or bad choices or failures. You must no longer allow the enemy to accuse you and remind you of your past. I've forgotten it, and so should you. I've blotted it out, and my child, it's time that you do the same. You are holy and blameless. Your past is behind you. Jesus is walking with you. My spirit, 
lives within you. My word is before you. My people are around you. My hand of favor and blessing is on you. My song of love is sung over you. Your future is set before you. You are holy and blameless. You have a purpose worth living. You have hope worth sharing. You have heaven as your home. So run your race that I've set before you. Don't look back, just look forward. Don't think about what you once were. Remember who you are and whose you are. Throw off the things that hinder you, the sin that entangles you. Put aside the hurts and habits of the past that have held you back for far too long. Run your race till you see my face. And on that day, I will make all things new. You are holy and blameless. You are mine and I am yours forever.